All right. Thanks to my wife. I think we fixed the 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 uh, mic the microphone thing. We'll see. All right. So most of you guys probably would recognize that Edison invented the light bulb something around 1879. All right. A few years later, in 1901, one of those newfangled gadgets was hung in a fire station in Livermore, California. All right. The reason I'm telling you this is because that light bulb is still there, the original light bulb, and it still works, and, and it has hardly been turned off since 1901. So they've documented it, and I forget the exact details, and you can look this up, but it's, it's mostly been on for over 100 years. All right? So by today's standards, my experience is that bulb would have burned out a hundred times by now, right? You pay $15 for a bulb, and I don't know, a year later, you have to replace it. So it seems like to me, all right? So that bulb was hand-blown with a thick um, filament, and it was built to last by the Shelby Electric Company. I'm guessing you've never heard of the Shelby Electric Company because they went out of business. Turns out when you make things that last and nobody has to buy it again, you don't last as a company for very long, <laughs> all right? So I find this to be super impressive, a light bulb that has lasted for more than 100 years, right? I am super impressed. But today we're going to talk about a light that has existed for all of eternity, all right? So there, there are lots of, I call them threads in the Bible, things that you can find in Genesis and Revelation and all through. And we've talked about a couple of these before, right? So there's there's a river that goes through the Bible. There's trees that you can find. There's roads. There's the, and obviously the most obvious one is Jesus. You can follow Jesus through the entire Bible. But, but you can also follow light through the entire Bible. A few weeks ago, Pastor Ed started a series, The Stories in Genesis. And, and we started with creation. We were reminded that on day one, God created light, right? Out of darkness and chaos... God brought forth light and order. Right? In the very beginning of the story, God starts this thread of light. And notice that this light starts three days before the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars. So this is obviously significant, right? God could have created the sun and the stars first, but he didn't. He chose to create light before he chose to create the sun and the stars. I don't know why he did that, or even how, actually. So this, this, this has been debated for thousands of years by the great thinkers of the faith. Um, right? What was that light, and why did God create it? I'm just going to throw out a few of the theories to you, just to get us thinking. So it's possible that the light was just a physical manifestation of Jesus' light. Right? So that's possible. Um, it could have been a manifestation of the, the Shekinah glory of God. So read about this in the Old Testament. And it's, it's the glory of God that existed in the tabernacle. And Ezekiel says that it will, that, that um, Shekinah glory of God will exist in the whole world one day. All right? so, so it could be something like that. Um, there's a theory that it, the, the best way to describe it is like an analogy, right? That God created this fire 
that existed for three days. And then he took the fire and he put it in a lamp, being the sun, on the third day, right? So, so somehow this, whatever was needed for the sun was created, but not in the form of the sun. And then he put it in the sun on the creation, uh, on day three creation. Um, all right. It's possible, there's a theory that the light came from angels. There's also several theories that the light source was some kind of unnamed local light source for Earth that was then replaced by the sun later in creation. Okay? So, again, I, I don't know. I, I can't begin to tell you which one of those is correct. And I'm not sure that we necessarily need to know which one or why. I look at it as that we should recognize that it's significant, even if we can't completely identify the why or the how. Um, right? I know that when God does something, it's important. I don't know if you guys ever had any teachers that um, when they were teaching, they would sort of nonchalantly highlight or or point out something more than one time, right? And so those teachers, you would know, okay, we're going to see that on a test, right? Um, if you're paying attention, you would recognize, like, they did something and it was important, right? When God does something, it's important. And I feel like we should recognize that. Um, the very first statement ever recorded for us from God, let there be light. All right? So I feel like there's, there's significance in that, okay? So... And then also the fact that we can follow this thread throughout the entire Bible, like those other things that we talked about. We can follow it from beginning to end, light. Obviously, this light is important. So we're going to do that. I'm going to just point out how we can follow it. I'm not going to, there's several hundred verses about light. We're not, certainly not going to read all of them, but I'm just going to point out how we can follow it all the way through. So we, we already know it's in the very beginning in Genesis. In Exodus, during the plagues against Pharaoh, um, there was a plague of darkness, right? And not just like turn the lights off dark, like I can't see my hand in front of my face dark. But the Israelites still had light in their homes, in their dwellings. Um, in the Psalms, there's some references to light. So 119, 105, this is a very familiar verse. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Another Psalm, 1828, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. And then, of course, there are the messianic prophecies about Jesus. And so just one from Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then that Old, prophecy, Old Testament prophecy was obviously fulfilled in Jesus. And then, so in John 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as you might recall, the light makes its way to the end of the story, right? So in the very last book, Revelation 21:23, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Okay, that seems a bit reminiscent of the light that we just talked about in Genesis, right? The creation didn't need the sun or the moon. So we don't know how it worked in Genesis, but in Revelation we know that the light came from God himself. <clears throat> All right, so, so you might be thinking, well, okay, so that's the beginning, that's the end, we looked a little bit in between, but what about me and right now? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Because shockingly, it turns out that God thought about that already. And he shared something with us about how we fit into the light. All right, so an example. 1 Peter 2.9, right? I love this verse. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Right? This us. This is where we fit. We are today his light in this dark world. So this idea of light in the Bible, you might not be familiar with all these verses, but you probably recognize this idea, right? This idea is pretty common in culture, right? That, that there's light and dark, there's good and evil. The Bible says that God is light, that darkness represents evil. There's this battle between light and dark. And even, even non-church people recognize this battle. Um, so this concept is probably not new to you, even if you don't know all of the verses that we've read so far. But the Bible is very clear, right? Jesus is the light. And as his followers, we have been called to reflect and shine his light the way that the, the, the moon reflects the, sun, uh, the light of the sun. So, an illustration. The village wise man was frequently ridiculed by the village hermit. And one of his friends asked him one day, why, why don't you just rebuke this guy, right? You're, you're smart. Like, the things he says don't, don't make any sense. You could easily rebuke what he's saying. And the old wise man said, there's a, a widow in our village, and she has a dog. And every time the moon shines, the dog goes outside and barks at it. And then he just started talking about his garden. And the guy said, well, hold on. I, I don't understand. Go back. Tell me the rest of the story about the dog and the moon. And he said, there, there is no more story. The moon shines. It keeps shining. The dog is irrelevant. The moon shines because that's what it's made to do. Right? And so we were made to reflect the sun, right? the light of Jesus. That's it. When we don't, we're missing out on what we were called to do, what we were designed to do, what we were created to do. And all the other things are just noise in the background, right? The dog barking, whatever, whatever it is in your life, it's just noise. We were created to reflect the sun. So I have a different, uh, a, maybe a slightly different and difficult question for us to consider. Recently I've read this theory that as Christians we might be more afraid of the light then we are afraid of the darkness. And the theory goes that, that being in the light means that we're different. And different is scary. And we might not really want to embrace that. And it might seem easier to just blend into the darkness. Right? So the theory says that maybe instead of embracing the light, we it seems like it's easier to just fall into the darkness, right? So my question is, are we embracing the light or are we moving away from it? Imam confronted her son, her son one morning. Young man, there were two cupcakes in this container when I went to bed last night. Why are there only one now? Without missing the beat, the voice said, man, it must have been so dark I didn't see the other one, mom. <laughs> so here... So here's the question. 
right? Are we missing the cupcake because we're walking around in darkness, right? Or re- replace cupcake with whatever your, your favorite thing is that you can't resist, um, right? Are we embracing the light or are we running around in the dark? So we were created to be a reflection of the light of the world. So we're going to look at some truths and some applications about light to help us try to zero in on this idea. Are we embracing the light or are we running away from it? All right, so I'm going to start with the most obvious thing that you're going to hear all week. Light illuminates. Right, duh, light illuminates. Okay. All right. Jesus actually said something fairly obvious, too. In John 12:35, he said, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Okay. These things are obvious. However, we're, we're not so good with obvious sometimes. A quick, a quick thinker might say, well... If I've walked that way before, I might not need it to be illuminated, right? I can walk in the dark just fine. But here's why I shared this this truth. This is the kind of rationalization that gets us in trouble, right? We're really good at rationalizing things, right? Saying, um, I'm doing okay. I don't really need God for this. I'm not nearly as bad as that person, right? Whatever the rationalization is. I share this with the teens all the time. When you find your, and from my own personal experience, right, when you find yourself rationalizing like this, this should be a serious red flag to you that, hey, I really need to think about what I'm doing. Because when you find the need to rationalize like that, um, it's, it's because you know somewhere that what you're considering, there's, some, there's probably some issues with it. All right. I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but there are. Um, bioluminescent bodies of water around the world, okay? So there are these single-cell organisms in the water that when you agitate them, they glow. And this, this actually exists in a lot of places, but, but, there, but sometimes there's not a, a large enough concentration of them to really imp- for you to get the impact. But there are a lot of places around the world where there are. And Laura and I were near one of those ones, so we were decided we have to see this for ourselves. So we did this night kayak tour, okay? And there were a lot of kayaks, so you're supposed to follow each other. Well, following a kayak in the dark is dang near impossible, right? So where we started, there's also like a canopy of trees. So whatever starlight there was, you couldn't even see. But when every time the paddle entered the water, this glow happened, and it was really cool, right? So I'm not, I'm not giving you like travel advice. Like if you're ever near one of those, I think you should do it. But the point is, in the dark, we could have never followed the kayaks. Never. Like, I couldn't even see them. But I could see every time the paddle hit the water and where it illuminated, right? And so this is, this is the choice that we make. Not a single one of us would choose to physically walk around in the dark and run into things. But spiritually, we choose to do that more often than we would care to admit, right? But when we walk with Jesus... It's like that paddle, right? There's, he always illuminates where we're supposed to go. When we don't walk with Jesus, it's like trying to blindly follow the kayaks in the dark. You're not going to do it. <clears throat> okay, light doesn't just illuminate, but light also, number two, penetrates and reveals. <clears throat> in John 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Okay? So what I was telling the kids, darkness cannot overcome light. No matter how dark you make it, you cannot hide the light. The light penetrates. But when it penetrates, it also reveals. So all of us have been in our homes and saw and seen like the beam of light come in and you can see all the dust and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's so dusty in here. But, I mean, it happens, right? Um, a few months ago, in the height of the pollen season, I was walking mochi one night. And when I turned on the flashlight, it, my first thought was, oh my gosh, it's snowing. But, but, I mean, I'm smart and I realized that it's 80 degrees, so it can't be snowing. But it's, it was the pollen, right? I couldn't see it until, like, I had this narrow beam of light. And I'm telling you, it was insane. It was full of pollen. And I'm thinking, wow, like, I mean, we know that there's pollen, right? We, we can sense it, like our, our sinuses tell us there's pollen. But, man, I had, no, I had no idea there was that much until the light revealed it, right? The light reveals the truth. It always, always does, all right? So, but the question is, do we allow the light to penetrate and reveal things in our life? Do we even want it to? Do we really want God's truth to, to penetrate us and to reveal those things? I hope we do. Because right, God wants the best for us. And he knows he will reveal the things that, that we're not designed for, right? That we should be getting rid of. And if we want to be real followers of Christ and real disciples, then we need to want God's light to penetrate and reveal those things to us. All right, so number three, light protects. All right, so a question. If you live in a home with small kids, or maybe you used to, um, what do you think are one of the most important things, some of the most important things you can have for protection in your home? Okay, so I thought about this. There, I heard some good ones, right? So, um, and I thought about some good ones, right? You might have a security system. All right, that's good. You might have video surveillance. Okay. I, we never had that, but... Um, I mean, I can see how important that might be. You might have a watch, a dog, right? That uh, we a couple years ago had a dog. I could see the, um, the the importance of having a dog, right, and the security it provides. You have got to have locks for your cabinets with the cleaners and the medicine, maybe. Um, um, all those things are good, but I, I thought of a thing that might be more important than all of those, right? So my experience tells me that night lights are extremely important, right? How, how many little kids go to bed and they're afraid of the dark and a little tiny nightlight is all they knew to soothe them so that they'll go to sleep. And maybe, no judgment, but maybe some of you older kids feel like that too, right? Need a little light in the dark. Um, nightlights are like little miracle workers. I mean, they were in our house. They're simple yet powerful. Um, Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right? Light protects. The true light protects. Right? The light of God. All right, number four, light can be a warning. In the physical world, we have lots of examples of this. Right? There's lighthouses. Many of you probably have stories about climbing up a lighthouse. I've climbed up a few of them in my time. We have... Um, amber warning lights on all kinds of things, right? Including traffic signals. And yellow doesn't mean speed up and go necessarily. Um, there's, in marine navigation, right, there's green and red lights for you boaters. 
there are um, red lights on the top of all these tall things for aviation, right? So all kinds of, in the physical world, light used as a warning. My favorite one is the bat signal, right? So the, the light that calls uh, Batman. Um, so Jesus, Jesus is the light, right? He is the spiritual lighthouse. That, and we were created to be a reflection of him. But we have to ask ourselves, are we a lighthouse in our community, neighborhood, workplace? Um, all right, are we shining like the city on a hill? Are we a beacon of hope for the many that need some kind of light, some kind of hope? Matthew 5, 14-16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then number five, when focused, light is extremely powerful. So scientists have discovered how to focus light to create a powerful tool we call a laser. We've harnessed the power of lasers to do lots of awesome things. Some of you might have had some kind of laser eye surgery, right? Some of you might use your laser to cut your diamonds. Um, Like, I don't roll that way, but maybe you do. But anyway, but laser does lots of cool things. Um, And like that, right, so we, we focus the power of light to do these powerful things, right? There's the ultimate power in the name of Jesus, And as his followers, that power is available to us. But it requires focus. Right? We must seek him with all of our heart. Right? The power is there. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Right? That Holy Spirit is there for us. But only if we focus on, on the one true king. Only if we seek him with all of our heart. Matthew puts it this way in chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. There's lots of verses that point us to this same thing, right? We, if we truly seek God with all of our hearts, if we truly allow him to penetrate our lives, if we truly want him to be the leader of our lives, if we truly want to walk with him and follow him, then, man, there's power in that. And we can, we can then start to live the life that he's created to live, which is awesome and powerful. But only if we really focus. All right, so these are only a few ways to consider some practical application, right? Light is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible, and there's probably lots of other ways we can apply that to our lives. Um, but I hope this is enough to keep you thinking about, back to the original question, which is, are we embracing the light or are we running away from it? And it, it's most likely one or the other, right? There's very rarely an in-between with God. We're either for him or we're against him, right? We embrace him or we're moving away from him. We're either embracing this light and reflecting the sun, reflecting Jesus everywhere we go, or we're part of the darkness. And so... 
I pray that we would all reflect on this, right, and, and figure out, my guess is that all of us in some ways embrace the light, but we all have our struggle, and we all have some way that maybe we're not fully embracing the light. So as we pray, it's my prayer that you would let God penetrate and reveal, right? Let his light really work in your heart and see how we can more fully embrace, more fully seek what God wants to do in our lives. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are the light of the world. From the beginning of the story to the end, your light is the true beacon. Lord, will you give us the courage to allow your light to shine deep into our lives and to reveal your truth to us? God, I pray we would be open to, to hearing from you. Lord, we help us to be transformed so that we can be the light you created us to be. Lord, we want to embrace, embrace your light. We want to be a true reflection of Jesus. We want to be a city on a hill, shining, providing hope to those who so desperately need it. So, Lord God, I pray you would, you would transform us and use us and help us to be a true reflection of your son, Jesus. It's in his powerful name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we just thank the Lord this morning for all the blessings. Praise God from whom.